Between 2000 and 2001, three young women who lived in South Florida lost their lives in vicious, savage ways. Their families hoped that police would quickly be able to put these cases to rest and find the person responsible. But that day would not come anytime soon. It took police more than 20 years to track down the man responsible. But this case had a few more twists and turns than investigators wanted to believe. Over a span of 14 months, back in 2000 and 2001, three Floridian women were horrendously murdered and their bodies were left lying in public areas. Each of these cases made local news and word quickly spread that a violent killer was on the loose. However, just as quickly as these cases made headlines, the news began to fade and the cases eventually slipped away from the minds of the locals. However, even as months began to turn to years, the local police departments never lost hope in the cases. Both the Miami Police Department and the Broward Sheriff's Office continued to investigate the cases, even when lead after lead simply took them to a dead end. In the end, it would take officers more than two decades, and they would have to search more than two additional continents to get to the bottom of what happened to these three women. The story of this vicious killer begins on June 22, 2000, in Cooper City. The body of Kimberly Dietz Livesey was found stuffed inside a suitcase after the case was abandoned on the side of the road. It would be just a few short weeks later that the body of Saya Demas was found on the side of the road as well. This time, she'd been stuffed into a duffel bag and once again abandoned in a public area. Finally, a little over a year later, the body of Jessica Good would be found as well. However, this time, her body was found floating through the Biscayne Bay in August of 2001. It seems as though the killer was gaining confidence and was no longer bothering to even conceal the bodies of his victims. We don't know exactly what details led police to this conclusion, but they say that suspicions immediately began to direct them towards a man named Robert Fernandez towards a man named Roberto Fernandez. They soon learned that Roberto was a Brazilian citizen who'd been living in Miami throughout the 1990s and the early 2000s. Their suspicions were drastically heightened when after Jessica Good's body was found, Roberto immediately hopped on a plane and headed back to his home country of Brazil. Each of the cases of the three women were said to be shockingly similar to one another. Obviously, all of the details of these cases were never released to the public for fear of compromising the investigation. However, police have led us to believe that the three women were killed in very similar ways, and the same male DNA was found at all three of the crime scenes. The problem was that when police ran the DNA through their computer system, they couldn't seem to find a match. They had reason to believe that rather than looking for a killer who simply struck when the opportunity arose, they were looking for a serial killer. Though with no leads and the only witnesses being found in body bags, they were left at a dead end. To add insult to injury, they also managed to pull fingerprints from two of the crime scenes. However, these prints never turned up any matches either. It would be more than a decade before police would find their first major lead in the case. This came in 2011, when fingerprints from the crime scenes were linked to fingerprints taken from Roberto Fernandez. 
I'm not sure why, and if any of you guys happen to know, please tell me in the comments, but it seems like police collected Roberto's fingerprints in Brazil after his wife passed away. If her death wasn't suspicious, and it doesn't seem like it was, I have no idea why they would have collected his prints, but nevertheless, they did. As it would turn out, Roberto's wife had passed away earlier on, sometime before 2005. However, police were unaware of this until 2011. As soon as they learned that his prints had been taken, a few investigators hopped on a plane and headed to Brazil hoping to gain access to both the prints and potential DNA evidence. As soon as they arrived, they went out to search for Roberto. However, they quickly learned that he had passed away in 2005. However, they very quickly learned that Roberto had passed away in a plane crash in 2005. Though they would then learn that Roberto wasn't even in Brazil at the time of the plane crash. Instead, he'd been traveling in Paraguay. It would seem that they had reached yet another dead end. With Roberto no longer alive, investigators were at a loss for how they would be able to collect DNA evidence. On top of this, some of the investigators felt as though Roberto may not have passed away at all. Instead, they proposed that he may have faked his own death and instead fled the country once again. Detectives were unwilling to give up though. After traveling all the way to Brazil, they were determined to get the answers they were looking for. The team closely worked with Brazilian investigators and gained access to Roberto's fingerprints. As it would turn out, the prints were a match. However, this wasn't enough evidence to definitively place him at the scene of the crime. All this proved was that Roberto had simply touched the items at the crime scene at some point in the past. They knew that they still needed access to DNA to be able to put this case to rest. So they took quite a long shot and requested that the body of Roberto be exhumed so that they could retrieve tissue samples and gain access to his DNA profile. In a shocking twist, their request was approved and the body of Roberto was successfully exhumed and tissue samples were taken. This process would not only prove whether or not the body in the casket was Roberto, but it would also prove whether or not Roberto was truly the man responsible in the case of these three women. However, this process did not take place as quickly as it may seem. It looks as though investigators initially traveled to Brazil back in 2011. However, access wasn't granted to his grave until sometime in 2020. By early 2021, they had the DNA samples that they needed, and they began to run them through the computer systems once again. As it would turn out, the DNA collected from the crime scenes and the DNA collected from Roberto's body was, in fact, a match. Investigators had finally solved the cases after all these years, though everything wasn't quite as simple as that. They had managed to solve the case of each of these three women, yes, but they still had no reason why Roberto would have done such a thing in the first place. In addition to this, they also had to ask themselves, were these the only three crimes that Roberto had committed? Many officers believed that they were not. When you really step back and look at these three cases, look back at the case of Kimberly and Saya. Both of those deaths took place within just a couple months of one another back in 2000. If the killer was confident enough to take the lives of these two women almost back to back, why would he wait more than a year before claiming the life of Jessica? It seems as though there may have been several more crimes that took place in between these cases, but investigators have no idea if that may be the case or not. Because of this, they're reaching out to the public and asking if anyone may have any information about Roberto. 
or if anyone has any reason to believe that Roberto may have been involved in the deaths of other people as well. So if you feel as though you may have anything to contribute to this case, the authorities are asking that you reach out by contacting the numbers on your screen and let the investigators know if you happen to have any additional info or if you feel that someone you may know could have fallen victim to Roberto. Though for the moment, it seems like the case of Roberto Fernandez and his innocent victims may be put to rest, at least for a while. But that's the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or clicking that blue join button below. But I've been Ty Knotts. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.